Oh, hey, I'm glad you're here. As a child wandering the aisles of their video store home, I never shied away from anything. Not the lenticular cover of Demon Wind, nor the squishy blood box of Bleeders. I'd stare down the zombie on the cover of Revenge of the Dead and draw my six shooters at Clint Eastwood in a fistful of dollars. Eventually, I made my way to Cassavetti's in a fair in Havana, Mitchum in Night of the Hunter, and on one terrifying day, Perkins in Psycho. I blame reruns on television because I never was really weary of black and white entertainment. If anything, I was transfixed by the language and the pacing of film noir and the use of light. For instance, in uh, The Big Sleep from 1946, Humphrey Bogart as Marlowe says, You know what he'll do when he comes back? Beat my teeth out and then kick me in the stomach for mumbling. Amazing. There's a sketch group uh, called Hollow Men that does a sketch called, I think it's Sketch on a Train. I just said sketch a lot. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite sketches. There's another one of all time. Uh, put the link up on our page for this episode if you like to see that. It brings endless joy to me. Uh, which reminds me, if you are listening to this on the day it drops, happy October. I'll be posting my 31 horror films in 31 days on the website in case you want to see what those are, as well as a Halloween mix of music for all of you to enjoy this spooky holiday season. So please head on over to vh-us.com, check out all that content, and you can also find the images from the podcast on Instagram at vh.us and on Twitter at vhs underscore podcast. Also, I'm Dirk Zaster on Instagram. Feel free to follow along there. Uh, now, this episode marks a first. Our guest has transitioned to another profession. That happened after this recording, so we have edited the name of the place where she previously worked, but that's great news because that means we can bring her back on a different film. Now, where was I? Oh, yeah, the black and white of it all. I believe Murnau's Nosferatu was my first black and white horror film that I became obsessed with, but there's been many since. This episode's film I found due to the guest's profession. Having briefly talked film with the guest, I knew she would be a wonderful guest to have. That's a lot of guests. I should say person. A wonderful person who was also a ghost, to talk movies with, and I think the episode speaks for itself on how much pure joy we exude. So without further ado, the film is I the Devil, the guest is a sommelier and now ex-wine distributor, and this is VHS. Hello and welcome to VHS. I'm your host Dirk Marshall and I'm joined in the studio by Kristen Castagna. Thank you for being here. I thank you for having me. Uh, you are a wine rep. This is true. This is true. Mm -hmm. And what is a wine rep? A wine rep is an intermediary between a wine retailer or okay. restaurant and a producer or winery. Okay. So I've seen a lot of like bartenders become mm -hmm. booze reps, but sure. is that different than say the path of a wine rep? Um, not entirely. Okay. So um, I actually ended up in my role through some conscious moves, but I did work in restaurants for a really long time Okay. and then found that the more I knew about wine and the more interest I had in it, the more money I could make. Mm -hmm. And then I became more focused on that worked at a couple wineries and then as we're in Portland working out in the valley isn't too terribly difficult but okay. over the years the commute got longer and longer yeah and there were some times when it would take me an hour and a half to get home at yeah, night geez. and I do still spend a lot of time in my car 
Mm -hmm. um, but it's shorter distances. And so then like, yeah, reeled it back in. And now I represent like 500 producers or something. Wow. And so then you, do, does the restaurant reach out to you or how, how do you go from place from point A to point B? Um, combination. Okay. So I think that the company that I work for has a longstanding strong relationship okay. in the state and so sometimes people will say hey i'm opening this restaurant can you have someone reach out to me and other times as um the the wine world has shifted and mm -hmm. as locally it's grown so much we are very assertive in um, building those relationships yeah, okay. that secure our position um, in different establishments. Wow. That's fascinating because I didn't even know that this was a thing. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, I hope that demystified it a tiny bit. I think okay. so. It's still very <laughs> mystified in my mind. Uh, in addition to that, you are also a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers. Mm -hmm. uh, is that is, is there just like a regular sommelier and then there's the master sommeliers or? In, so through the court of master sommeliers, which is the one that you really hear about the most. Okay. Um, the one that had that, the movies on Netflix. Okay. Called Psalm. Yeah. Yes. So that's the, the court of masters. And the master sommelier is the fourth level. Uh-huh. The advanced is the third level, certified is the second, and then the first you take like a class called the intro. So the the first level, it's more of a class, but they expect you to have like a working knowledge. Okay. The second level, which is what I am, I think that that just it's kind it's kind of hard to say even what they mean, mm -hmm. but um, you'll find that <clears throat> by and large, most people who are purchasing wine yeah. in restaurants locally have attained that level or an equivalent through Two. another yeah through okay. another organization there are um, a handful plus of people who are advanced sommeliers which is the, the one where you have to be invited by a master sommelier in order to take the exam oh okay so you have to have like approval mm -hmm. um and um it just gets more and more specific as you go up gotcha is there a sort of belt situation like you would have in like karate where you'd have like a burgundy belt or, um... <laughs> sort of, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of burgundy in the court of yeah. master oh, sommeliers. Okay. Actually, there's a pin with, um, the profile of, I have no, no. idea. Ba it's probably Bacchus. Whoa. I really hope it's Bacchus. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, there you get, you get pinned yeah. and, um, you get pinned and you get a glass of champagne. And, wow. um, the, like the intro one, I can't remember if it just says like guild of sommeliers or mm -hmm. something. And then, then the certified one and then the advanced one and then the master one. And you, you just, um, if you're working like an event or something, something big, like the international Pinot Noir celebration yeah. in McMinnville, if you're working that they expect you to have your, pin. have your pin and gotcha. it thus like gleans a certain amount of respect because you put in some work sure. to get there. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fascinating. It's a pin situation. It's a pin. Huh. Yeah. And then I think that the higher you go up, the more often you wear a suit. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Male and female? Um, yeah, sort of a Hillary Clinton style, uh -huh. but lots of, you know, dark colors. Of course. But there aren't there aren't too many female master sommeliers. 
I honestly don't know. There's only a couple hundred in the world who've ever attained that le- that level. Is that is that a goal for you? Do you want to keep progressing? Are you like I'm good at two? Um, I'm good at two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so within the court, it it seems that as you move up, it, there's a strong service aspect, and so the people who are master sommeliers are actually functioning as sommeliers, like building wine lists for like entire hotel groups sure. and managing, you know, sometimes hundreds of of restaurants but there's mm-hmm. definitely a on the floor customer facing service thing and I sort of back when I backed away from that right I've my opening of wine table side has become far messier mm. mm-hmm. weird it's such <laughs> yeah, an interesting it's, field it's, it's strange um Okay, and so up top I had a few uh, wine terms I, could, I was hoping you could break down for me. I, I hope I can. Okay. <clears throat> They're pretty basic. Okay. Structure. Okay. So structure would, when you, when you first taste a wine, I think that the, generally the first thing that you perceive is fruit. Um, and then there are secondary and tertiary characteristics. And then the structure would be, would refer to really like the, 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 what balances out the fruit, be it acid or tannin in the way that that, um, sort of gives, um, a foundation. Got it. So that it's not just like drinking grape juice. Okay. So the... So do all wines have structure? Is that something you would find in all wines? Is you this would. a term you would use for anything? I mean, um, yes, um, and it differs. Mm-hmm. So in different varietals, be it um, Chardonnay or Sauvignon Blanc, say like two that you know to a regular consumer may be perceived as very similar. Yeah. Once you sort of learn the varietal typicity sort of what they generally oh, taste it. like okay, good, good. <laughs> but, but what you're generally expecting you can sort of then through tasting and experiencing um come to expect a certain sort of structure from a wine from a certain kind of grape from a certain region got it and it helps you sort of in this deductive blind tasting mm-hmm. which is part of that whole master sommelier system yeah okay good Cause I, yeah because i always hear like oh this has good structure mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about yeah. but that makes sense so it's kind of like the framework of the kind of as you go through the yeah. wine and you get your that's when you would say oh i get um leather or whatever would be at a certain point of Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then like, yeah, but like acid and tannin and yeah. sort of what like keeps it from being a big flabby Got it. whatever. Yeah. Legs. Legs. Um, <clears throat> when you aerate a, a glass of wine, so when you're doing that swirling motion, thus introducing oxygen to the wine that's probably been in the bottle for a while, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you'll see... Um, down the sides of the glass, as the wine settles back into the bottom of the glass, mm-hmm. you'll see the tears or the legs, which oh. is that slow moving yeah. down. And it can refer to um, residual sugar or uh. sweetness in a wine okay. or alcohol. Hmm. 
Okay. And usually not both because they kind of function separately. But. Huh. Terroir. terroir. <laughs> yeah. I can never say it without feeling like I have a marble <laughs> in my mouth. Yeah, um, terroir. There it is. Uh, yeah. So um, that is a concept that refers to the idea of a specific time and place in a wine. Okay. So um, in everything that goes into making it. So starting in viticulture, it would be like, you know, is it in a warm climate or a cool climate? Is it rocky soil? Are these vines um, irrigated? Do you water them? Or are they dry farmed? Is it organically farmed? Um, Did it used to be um, a turkey farm? Did it used to be a hazelnut orchard? How steep is it? Is it facing blah, blah, blah. So all the way into the, the winery. And then it's like, do you use ambient yeast? because mm-hmm. there's yeast all over. Um, or do you introduce it? Do you, you, yeah. So it's, it's everything that's, but the idea generally is time and place. Got it. I always thought of it, it was just the dirt. So it's good to know that yeah. it's actually a bigger picture. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very important big picture. Yeah. Um, bunghole. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i'm still i still turn into like a i'm to i'm a total 13 year old boy <laughs> when it comes when i go into a winery and yeah. you'll see like it's so the bunghole is, <laughs> is in a in a barrel is the hole yep. from which the the wine is yeah. extracted <laughs> and so you know it's like in then the little the little thing that goes into it is the bung no the, yeah and oh, so wow. you can there's lots of like you, and and we all do it yeah like you this, have to to right? the ser- most serious person every time someone says it i'm like Oh my God, like if I'm with like a group of people I work with, yeah. it's like, don't look at it so-and-so because you know that you're going to s- do something really yep. stupid and immature and they have more self-control. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that woman over there who looks so composed is like snorting yes. to the word bung. Um, well, <laughs> the amount of joy I felt when I was looking up wine terms when I saw bunghole listed. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I was, it just seems like it's everything so serious. And then suddenly you're just like, I, that can't be right. Like, <laughs> yeah. This has to be a Wikipedia article. And somebody's like, yeah. oh, watch this. Well, I've, I've heard also that an actual measure, and I don't remember exactly how much it is in volume. I'll have to get back to you on this. But yeah. a buttload is a thing. Nice. Yeah. In wine. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, That's if you go to the great. Wikipedia page, it has like a couple of monks like hunched over yeah. <laughs> something that yeah is, that's, that's the amount of wine i usually like to indulge in yeah a buttload, a buttload. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the last one i found is cork taint okay <laughs> yeah um so um there is a when you open up a bottle of wine, yeah. the first thing that I always do is smell the actual bottle. I don't smell the cork. Okay. Um, because the cork doesn't really tell you a lot, mm. but the cork is really important, especially if you're using natural cork. Um, cork taint is something that gives that um, wet basement, wet paper bag, yeah. wet newspaper. Yeah. And for 
to not get too sciencey because that's not necessarily my forte, sure. but it's a, um, a, a open ring that will really latch on to anything and it will latch on to cork. It can happen in like pipes and wineries and thus like ruin entire, oh, entire batches. Sometimes it'll just, um, it'll, it'll just express itself like every once in a while and it can to different degrees. Um, and, um, you won't find it really in, um, like corkscrew wines or if there's like conglomerate cork, hmm. but yeah, so so it's like a rare contamination? It's a contamination for sure. Rare, I would say it kind of depends. Oh. I would say that, you know, some people have had bigger problems with it. Mm -hmm. um, I've opened up like cases of wine before and had a quarter of them be corked, have experienced wow. cork taint. And so then it goes back to like the problems in the winery Mm -hmm. And so they might be working on remedying something, but um, sometimes, sometimes not. Sometimes it's fleeting. Wow. Wow. Mysterious. Very mysterious. <clears throat> um, but we're not brought here today just to talk about bungholes and cork taints. The reason I'm joined by Kristen in the studio is because we are brought together by the film Eye of the Devil. Mm. Was this a first time watch for you? It was. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, the synopsis is a French wine grower, played by David Niven, returns to Bordeaux with his wife and family to face ritual sacrifice for another bad year. Yeah, you know, um, I'd say it's so much more than that. It really is. <laughs> yeah. It's a very strange way to break it down. But, yeah. Uh, I was very excited um, when I was looking up what different wine movies, mm -hmm. because everyone always thinks of Sideways. That's mm -hmm. the one that always plays everywhere at, at wine events and mm -hmm. things. Um, and then there's a lot of other like sort of romantic comedy movies or dramas even all set in wine country, oh, yeah. you know, and uh, a, a woman of her thirties meets uh, like a guy picking grapes or something <laughs> yeah. and they have a romance and, you know, I didn't want to really cover any of those. So mm -hmm. when Eye of the Devil popped its head up, I was like, yeah. oh, this is what I want to talk about. Oh yeah. There's, there's not a whole lot of romance. No. <laughs> it's very cold actually. It really is. There's not a lot of expressions <laughs> no. on the faces. And like David Niven and Deborah Kerr, uh-huh. Uh, not a lot of chemistry there. No, I really was hoping that she was going to get together with the guy she was playing Scrabble oh, with. yeah. Like his childhood friend who wasn't really, he was being really, uh, really withholding. Yes. Um, <laughs> there is way more withholding in this movie yeah. than anything else. Like yeah. all of the acting, you're like, oh, interesting choice. Yeah. Like very, uh. <laughs> Very not acting. Right. So, oh, all right. And that part's in Latin. Yeah. Okay. okay. Perfect. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the time of this recording, Eye of the Devil can be purchased on DVD from Warner Archive, which is how we saw it. Um, it looks great. Mm -hmm. uh, it's on YouTube, but it's really mushy. Mm. It's really not great at mm. all, which I think is a disservice. This is definitely one of those films that I'm guessing in the VHS mm. era did not look wonderful. Oh, I bet not. Yeah. And this, you know, this DVD, it's very crisp. It, mm -hmm. You know, sh the black and white looks perfect. Um, you can also rent it at Movie Madness, or you can stream it if you have to through Amazon Prime. Mm. Uh, 
Uh, it's based off the book Day of the Arrow by Philip Lorraine, 1964. And then I just made this note because I think you you can't talk about Eye the Devil without, without possibly thinking of Wicker Man. Sure, yeah. Uh, and Wicker Man came out in 73 and is based on the book Ritual by David Pinner um, that came out in 67. So this is everything about this took place before Wicker Man. Um, although there is some similarities, not the acting. At sure. All, oh no, but, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Lack thereof. Yes. So stoic, this film. Um, the director, J. Lee Thompson, uh, he did a lot of films, but, um, just list off a few. The Guns of Navarone in 61, which, you know, people, people love, love the Guns of Navarone. I, have, I haven't seen it. Uh, you know, it's one of those like kind of quintessential Western situations. Uh, Cape Fear in 62, what a Way to Go in 64, I the Devil in 67, McKenna's Gold in 69. Then things get interesting. Conquest for the Planet of the Apes in 1972. <laughs> yeah. Happy Birthday to Me, 1981. <laughs> 10 to Midnight in 1983, which is a pretty amazing Charles Bronson movie. I don't know if you've seen that one. Putting it on the list. Yeah. it's uh, he, he, There's a serial killer mm-hmm. that does not wear clothes in that movie. So oh. it's a lot of that. Uh, a lot of that. Um, <laughs> then King Solomon's Mines in 85, Firewalker in 86. So now he's into, like, he moved from Charles Bronson into Chuck Norris territory. Yeah. And then Death Wish for the Crackdown in oh, 1987. So naturally. Need some more Bronson. <laughs> yeah. Messenger of Death in 88, more Bronson. Uh-huh. And then the final film was Kanjeet, I think I'm saying that right, Forbidden Subjects, another Charles Bronson, 1989. Interesting. So he wrapped up his career with just so yeah. much Bronson. You wouldn't have, like, guessed that. No. No way if you were like, where an eye of the devil yes. where does this guy end up i wonder if he looks back and he was like if i just had charles bronson and eye of the devil. Yeah. then there would have been some chemistry yeah, somewhere somewhere <laughs> some of the scenes i'm like those people aren't even in the same castle together yeah. i don't think well and at some point i think that they're like actually under some sort of the evil priest spell yes it's um, very subtle i didn't even know that spell was happening until the second <laughs> no. time i saw it um Our cinematographer is Erwin Hiller, did 57 films in around 30 years, and I knew absolutely none of them. I looked up the list and I was like, (laughs) I have never felt like I didn't see movies Mm -hmm. before. And then, like, I mean, he did The Naked Earth in 1958. I have Mm. no idea what that is, but I'm going to watch it. Mm -hmm. Shake Hands with the Devil in 59. Mm. That sounds amazing. Sure. Operation Crossbow in 1965. That could have been a better title, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for this movie? Yeah. there is something funny about like old movies where you could really say anything because uh-huh. most people haven't seen these films in the 50s and stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, so you could just be like Clarence on the Beach in 1955 and you'd <laughs> yeah. be like, that's probably a movie. <laughs> yeah. Frog on the Other Foot, <laughs> No Cake for Tina. It's just like, it, yeah. just whatever. <laughs> yeah. You could just sound like you're a cinemaphile just without anyone knowing you have, yeah. haven't seen any. Um, our editor is Ernest Walter. He did The Haunting in 1963. Children of the Damned in 64, Murder Most Foul in 64, Operation Crossbow in 65, so he worked with Irwin, Um, Eye of the Devil in 67, and The Great Waltz in 1972. Uh, Actors, first off, we got to go with David Niven. Yeah. Uh, I was a Niven head as a kid. I really enjoyed David Niven. Um, He has 113 credits, so this is just a random selection. My Man Godfrey in 1957, The Guns of Navarone in 1961. Uh, did I say 57? 57 for Godfrey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Guns of Navarone in 61, Guns of Darkness 1962, Pink Panther in 63, Casino Royale 1967 mm-hmm. as his shot for James Bond, uh, 
I the Devil the same year. So let's just compare those <laughs> yeah. two movies. Yeah, I actually noticed that. I was looking on IMDb. Oh, yeah. I was like, come again. What? what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Death of the Nile, 1978. Um, Deborah Kerr, long career. So just starting in the middle, Naked Edge in 1961. Night of the Iguana in 64. Casino Royale in 67, mm-hmm. which I guess I need to rewatch mm-hmm. now because I didn't even realize they were both in that. I the Devil, 67. Gypsy Moths in 1969, which I've never heard of this film, but let me tell you what it is. It's a skydiver movie with Burt Lancaster and Gene Hackman. <laughs> yeah. Ex- well, I'm going to Movie Madness after oh, okay. <laughs> to return some yeah. things. So. Do you have gypsy moths? <laughs> like yeah. one employee is going to be like, oh my God, yes. Yeah. It's my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah. No one ever rents it. Uh, originally, Kim Novak was supposed to play mm-hmm. Tepper's part, but she had a, a horse accident. Yeah, and I, I I read that they had to refilm a bunch of yeah, scenes. They reshot everything except for faraway shots. They were like, that's good enough. <laughs> it's good enough. And there are a couple of them where I'm like, oh, they're definitely, this is a reshot and the editing is terrible. Yes, yeah. At some, at some points, yeah. It's very true. Um, then we have Sharon Tate, of course, we have to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the Devil, 67, Don't Make Waves, 67, Fearless Vampire Killer, 67, Valley of the Dolls in 67. <laughs> she like, is busy. Holy cow. She's zero to 60. I, I heard that um, it, she landed this role because her audition for Petticoat Jun- Junction was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, but she didn't get she the She didn't get the part. <laughs> They're like, you are so good for something else. Yeah, for gazing into the distance <laughs> yes. and your eye makeup not running. Yes, that's primarily what she was yeah. good at. Mm-hmm. Um, she was listed as introducing in this film, mm-hmm. and then, uh, in, which is from the UK, and then in the US, Don't Make Waves, she was also said as introducing. Oh, interesting. Um, the film also had the working title 13 at one point, mm-hmm. so some copies... You can see I the Devil at the beginning, and then at the end of the movie it says thirteen. That's what the yeah. That's I noticed does, that. Does it happen in this it, one? It does. Okay, I read that after I and I was like, I don't know if that's yeah. It, it that's right. It, that's at the great. end. I was like, there it is. Yeah, the thirteen. <laughs> I've seen it. Uh, starting at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. um, the first note I made was, "What's happening?" <laughs> yeah, it was like this really languid party. Oh, before that. Before even the credits, it's like, I thought I started the trailer because it's like these shots of like the arrowheads oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like characters that you haven't seen yet yeah. and the cloaked people for a second. And, and like a dove. And yeah, and you're like, what did I? And yeah. then all of a sudden it's like the train tracks. Yeah. And then I like, I love that because it's black and white and it's mm-hmm. like so classic. And I'm, I love, I love the credit sequence. There's a guy on a train yeah. and you're like, Ooh, yeah. Amish guy on a train. Yeah, it looks like, like, I was like, it's like, um. Hasidic Rasputin. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> and that begins the uh, stoic yeah. acting that you're about to see yeah. in this movie. Um, then there's a luxurious party, complete with the heart player that oh, you were talking about. Yeah. I love these black and white parties where they're like, how opulent could it get? Mm-hmm. Heart player. A heart player. And everyone's just like, quaaluded. Yes, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> like, just, and then the, yeah, they're just blissed out yep. listening to this harp oh, song so good. that has like no beginning or end. <laughs> no, it's just go. I think that's how harp is. Like yeah. someone just starts and you're like, this is what oh, goes this, forever. Yeah, this is, it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think there's structure to the song. Nope. They just, no, no. just They just remember different yeah. strings and they're like, oh, this oh, one I haven't hit in a while. Oh, yeah. Just like, <laughs> it'll look good if I reach that way. Yep. Yeah. This is perfect. 
Um, We're getting in trouble with some heart piss. Yes. It, wow. <laughs> oh, I'm going to lose all my heart listeners. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote, a creepy child appears. But it's David Niven's kid, Jack. But he's just <laughs> creepy from the beginning. He doesn't have any iris pupil definition. Yeah, at all. At all. Yeah. And he comes in haunted already yeah. like there's no trajectory for mm-hmm. him like he walks in and like nope, nope hard like, out on that one <laughs> yeah put like put peeks his head around yeah. and you're like i'm, I'm no fine. i'm not gonna like it's not good. snuggle that kid. no no <laughs> yeah, like definitely have the nanny raise that one yeah and then he walks up and just sort of haunts the harp player <laughs> yeah like and everyone kind of lets him do it yeah it's like he starts going and mom reaches a little bit she's like well yeah, well he loves <laughs> he loves to haunt yeah, a harp player. That's Jacques or what? I can't remember what his name oh, is. I remember. Jack is Jack. the kid. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, rem- I remember because I kept writing creepy kid. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's fun. our daughter was the same way. And my daughter, when she was growing up, she would just go up and just ghost. We called it ghosting kids because uh-huh. she wanted to play, but she wouldn't say anything mm-hmm. to them. So she'd just walk up with a complete flat affect and just <laughs> yeah. stare at a kid's face. Yeah. And I'm like, whew, that yeah. is so disturbing. She's yeah. now really good at it. But for like a couple years, we were like, oh, man. Yeah, you're like, the approach should go like Yeah. <laughs> at least blink. Yeah. And the, the kid like is like so slow. So slow. And it was like someone was on the other side side of the camera yeah. like come on come on, come yeah. on. <laughs> come, like or you know how like they sometimes have to lure like flower girls oh yeah you know down the aisle yes. like it felt a little bit like that yeah it did for for sure <laughs> and then the uh the man from the train uh speaks to david nivens i am sorry monsieur le marquis um and he says that the the winery the crops aren't aren't working so i think he says like the the vineyards are failing. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so David, totally bummed about that. And he draws an arrow through the bird at the top of yeah. the stationery. Yeah. Where I'm like, ooh. In okay. the top of the stationery, so it has like an, an eagle or some sort of bird of prey. Yeah. And then it says, like in French, it says like, Dieu donne tout. Like God gives everything. Oh. Okay. Yeah. If you study French literature, you can work in wine i took uh i took a number of french classes in college mm-hmm. um mostly just learned to say meat just types of meat oh yeah yeah so i didn't didn't walk away with anything but useful. it gets it gets you far in yeah. certain I situations saucy song j'adore la biftec yeah the other ones um then uh he after he draws the arrow mm-hmm. he sa- he decides like <clears throat> well he's got to go to the beautiful estate mm-hmm. darling what is it is something wrong? I have to go home, Catherine. Home? Oh, you mean to Bellinac? And it's a fantastic, like, castle-type oh. situation with a, just a huge driveway thing and a courtyard. And, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. It actually exists. Oh, really? Yeah. So I looked it up, and it exists in southwest France, like... I think that we're to assume that this is like Bordeaux. That's what they keep saying. <clears throat> um, and so it exists outside of Bordeaux in in and up, meaning northeast. Okay. Northeast of Bordeaux about, I, as the crow flies, an hour and a half. Can you go there? I think so, yeah. I um, oh. I think they do a lot of like cheesy sort of fake medieval things. Oh, okay. So would you want to? 
I don't know. Maybe we have some friends that live in the south of France, mm-hmm. and they live. You know, it's a it's a small village that looks like a castle kind of situation mm-hmm. um like a lot of the small towns and uh we went to another small town because they were having a renaissance mm-hmm. fair and it just looked like they, that's just how they lived yeah. because it's like there was no contrast <laughs> yeah. like normally you go to a renaissance fair and you're like people's cars you can see them right. but this was not like that and you're yeah. just like oh these these people are really they, back there yeah. like this is crazy <laughs> yeah. um but yeah yeah okay I, well i, I kind of so. do want to go check it out maybe I never doubted the path you have chosen. What makes you think I've chosen it? You came back. David Niven meets Donald Pleasance, which is a great scene. Um, Donald is so young in this movie. And I don't think he blinks throughout the entire film. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) He's just staring in different directions. Yeah, there's lots of staring in different directions. There's like no eyeline match. It's just like (laughs) looking over here, (laughs) looking over there. Uh, yeah, and he he is, I mean, there's no ifs, ends, or buts about it. No. He is not good. Right. He's evil. <laughs> yeah, he's evil. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he's sort of the driving force. Yeah. Of whatever it is. Which I didn't quite point. get the first viewing. and I mean, towards the end, mm-hmm. it's very clear. Mm-hmm. But at first I was like, he's just a creepy guy. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Because everyone's like really distant and strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like, just another one. Just another one. <laughs> yeah. This movie's full of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, then we see Jack sleepwalking and he says, Mama, I want my nautica. But darling, you ought to be in bed. I want my nautica. So I can go and see Papa. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hard out on this kid. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the lady's talking to some guy, and he's like, uh, he's like, I talked to him quite naturally, and you won't wake him up. And so yeah. she gives him this motor car and turns him around, and she's like, okay, go see Papa. <laughs> yeah. And he just walks out of the scene. She doesn't put him back to bed or anything. No. <laughs> she's just, yeah. What? Like, and I don't, I don't have kids, and I was never really a sleepwalker, but my sister was, and I, and I, I'm pretty sure that's like not what you're supposed like you're supposed to be like take them back and try yeah. not to wake them but yeah. like there's the this there's this hands-off approach to parenting through this yes. film that like almost gets these kids in lots of trouble yeah it's very true mm-hmm. um because like for how rich these people are supposed to be mm-hmm. they don't really have like servant people no. I mean in the castle there's they they the state. There's servant people, uh-huh. but they don't really do anything helpful. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of feel like they're taking a side. Yeah. And like, and then it, and then Sharon Tate turns out to be like the de facto nanny, which right. is like a bad decision. It's so wild. Yeah. Um, then the fam takes off to join David Niven, which means we get to see all the shots that we saw before mm-hmm. of driving through <laughs> yeah. the town and people turning their heads. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then we see Sharon Tate. She's sitting outside in nature, mm-hmm. and she does not seem of this world. <laughs> so precisely the person you'd be like, lady from way out there, please come hang out with my children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she, so she seems to always be placed by this, like, pond, yeah. grove. There's some vines, too, because yeah. the kids are playing in them later. Yeah. And she, and she, it's always a little bit of, like, 
the good profile. Yes, yeah, they pick mm -hmm. the right side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she just sits out there and turns her head, I guess, is primarily what she <laughs> does to pass the time. And vehicles come and go. Yes. <laughs> oh, here's another oh, automobile. An automobile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so strange. Yeah. Um, Odile, that's her name. Odile, yeah, yeah. good name. Um, uh, then the archer appears, who I refer to as the archer, even though he has a name, yeah. uh, and shoots the bird, just oh, like yeah. in the drawing. It's like, yeah, here, you know, things are coming true here. Yeah, and he's so far away, so. and he shoots this dove out of the sky, but when the second he shoots, they all turn and look, like they're like, oh, what's this sound uh -huh. I hear over here? And then uh -huh. the bird drops out of the sky, yeah. and the mom is just, she's distraught, she's mm -hmm. not excited about it. And he's just like a swarthy little jerk in yeah. throughout the whole movie. So yet um, another interesting thing, the archer is David Hemmings, yeah. who played the lead in Blow Up, which was like, oh, right. as far as I know, like a, a big movie. It was yes. nominated for a couple Oscars mm -hmm. and it was like Antonioni's like only English language film. I say that I feel with, like you're right. with, or the first. Yeah. I, mean, I think maybe his only, but that was also filmed in the same year. Whoa! That's... And I think that I think that they were, not, yeah, they were filmed in the same year, and that's all. I mean, that's all I got. But that's like, crazy. it's a really strange. It's a really yeah. strange, like a a really strange minor. Yeah, yet it's like important role. I the devil to Casino Royale. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, this to blow up. That's weird. Um. Then we get the feeling that something is amiss. No, madame. Are you sure? Yes, madame. Because I saw two men ride into the courtyard. Who were they? I am sorry, madame. I neither saw nor heard anyone. And uh, the servants pretend not to know things. Is pretty much what mm -hmm. all the servants do. Yeah. She's like, did I just see someone walk by? And he's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell you. Son pull up and then she's like is he here he's like i didn't see anything uh, no probably not no nope. she's like um <laughs> i mean you could just say he's in his study you can like yeah but yeah he's here but this place well, is she's an like, actual castle um, i saw the light on up in the castle over yeah. there and he's like nah, nah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, okay well then i mean there is several points like i felt like this movie was trying to be so many different things yeah. And and there's like there's a there's some gaslighting <laughs> that happens and I feel like this is sort of like the pre the pre gaslighting. Yes. That's the true. primer, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people closing curtains, mm -hmm. you know, like you look out your window and it's right when someone closes the curtain mm -hmm. and you're like, ooh. Yeah. Which is something I do all the time. Mm -hmm. So my neighbors probably think I'm like Henry Gibson in the burbs. Yeah. Because I'm like I think there's a package at the door yeah. or like we have two front doors so it's like i'll think oh a delivery happened mm -hmm. or so it's just a lot of me opening the door and my neighbors in their driveway and they'll <laughs> yeah. see me and then i just close the door yeah. it's very creepy yeah uh then a man appears in the shadows and tells her take your children drive out of the valley never turn back and she's like nah no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he like literally tells her like yeah you get, you get out of here yeah. and she's like mm. and then she she goes up to david niven after she sees what she sees in the room and she's like it's horrible they carried a dead bird on a pillow there was people in robes and he's like darling the people of Bellanac have always been steeped in strange rituals i never tried to understand them 
people are different here. <laughs> yeah, they have ancient ways. Yeah, and I, and I but I love that like that sort of transcontinental accent mm-hmm. like happens this whole time where it's like. Darling, yes, you know they're they're just steeped in these ancient ways. There's nothing you can do to change them. Yeah. So that on top of the warning to basically sure. get and never look back, she's like, Nah. And then the son's like, I love this place. Oh, Mama, please let us stay here. Don't let us leave here. Oh, please let us stay here forever. Yes, <laughs> Jack. God damn it, Jack. I never want to leave. <laughs> That's what he says right afterwards. Yeah. The guy's like, get out of here. And then Jack's yeah. like, let's never leave. Yeah, I'm like, kid, can't you sense it's so... this is unwelcoming? Yeah. And what kind of fun could the kid be having it, having there? It's not like... I don't know. I've been in buildings like that, and it's just cold. Right. And as a, everywhere. As a child, like you're... It's dirty. Yeah. There's nothing... Your car wouldn't be able to roll on the cobblestones yeah. well. Like, it's just not... I don't understand the yeah. appeal. And then we have my favorite line in the whole movie, mm. and that's uh, Deborah says, uh, "What are you seeking, Philip? What are you seeking?" And David Niven, lit perfectly, stares off in the distance and says, "Am I seeking, or am I being sought?" <laughs> yeah. and I, was like, I was like, "What was that when he when he breaks the glass in his hand?" Oh, I think so. And then then it's just it's like it, it was like a like a etched. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, it's crystal sturdy... highball. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then he just breaks it. And I mean, unless he's a lefty, I think it was like his left hand. So it's like in his oh, non, yeah. he just like crushes this thing and then has like no affect. Yeah, which if David Niven crushed anything, yeah. he would be like so stoked about it. Yeah. He's like this little pencil thin man yeah. that like there's no way that that. So. Oh. So, yeah, am I seeking or am I being sought? Yeah. I, I think that that, I mean, and and thus oh, rolleth yeah. the plot. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I just love how it's not even directed at her. He's just staring, like, out a window. <laughs> am I seeking or am I being sought? She's like, are you selling riddles to me? Yeah. Like, what the? Uh, we get the feeling like his family has always been doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know when they started. but uh, But when did you start with wine? Oh, um, hard to tell. And I don't uh, mean like underage <clears throat> drinking. I just mean like uh, it accrued. <laughs> oh, sure. So, um, um, technically in a career, well, I mean, we, I guess we can even go back to my first restaurant job yeah. where I was serving wine and you have to be able to navigate to some degree. And so I actually lived in college. I lived in a town, um, I went to the University of Illinois, so Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, and for whatever reason, liquor laws, at least way back in the day, 20 plus years ago, yeah. you only had to be 19 to serve alcohol. And I mean, I'm sure it's like that elsewhere, but we live under... To drink the... it was 21, though? Mm-hmm. Okay. But we live under the rule of the OLCC, which is yes. something different. Yes. And... Um, but there, so really my first restaurant job was when I was 19. And um, I kind of... What kind of restaurant was it? Um, Panera Bread. Just kidding. <laughs> I was like, they have wine? <laughs> yeah, no, I did work at Panera Bread. But I think I did that for the free bagels. <laughs> because, I mean, you know when you're like a kid, essentially, yeah. and put out on uh, to the, the wilds of the world. Sure. and And then you're supposed to just like feed yourself right and like not just eat cereal in the door oh, yeah. so you have bagels no i um 
when I first moved out, I worked at a record store and it was like right on a college campus mm -hmm. and I would ch trade promos to like for bagels and sure. pizza and the people oh, like yeah. we all traded everything no money exchange yeah <laughs> like i love that i love that system yeah. so so no panera bread did not have wine but mm. um it was a locally owned restaurant that um at the time had a they had more than just red and white wine mm -hmm. I mean, and yeah. it had and it had a good reputation for food mm -hmm. service wine but now if i probably look back at it and this place doesn't exist any longer sure, sure. i would be like huh because <laughs> i because i've sort of turned into a snob right. <laughs> and i would i would be like i well i do actually remember when i was so in to something because you know your your enthusiasm for things can have seasons sure and i was so into something which to me now and i won't say what it is oh. um but it, it's so basic you know and it so was it something was, I was soup like, in a bread bowl and yeah <laughs> but more the wine version <laughs> got it <laughs> the wine version of soup in a bread bowl oh i yeah. think that's gato negro yeah yeah sure <laughs> yeah or maybe boone's farm um that's not really wine. no not really yeah 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 that's more of like a diabetic yeah <laughs> it really is yeah Oh. I haven't had that in a long time. No, I haven't I either. I think there's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to a, um, a pool party on Friday. Yeah. And I might show up with some Boone's oh, Farm. Oh, some Strawberry Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. We'll see what, how it's, what vintage will I bring. You know, yeah. people might turn down uh, Boone's Farm, but most people won't turn down a wine cooler, I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. They're like, it has just enough humor involved where they're just like, oh, come on. Sure. I'm going to have a fuzzy navel, yeah. Bartles and James, sure. Well, and really that's sort of like White Claw is sort of like a, oh, a yeah. wine. It's like, well, it's like I a... I haven't had this, but I keep hearing about them. You know, it's like you could just put a little vodka in your LaCroix. Oh, there you go. And or... That sounds like a nice way to, to, to like tell someone off. Yeah. Like, hey, go put a little vodka in your LaCroix. And your your Pomplemousse <laughs> LaCroix and <laughs> get out of here and never look back. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, long story short, yeah. I guess, like, so, you know, working in a, on the floor of a restaurant was like a good launching, a mm -hmm. launching point. Um, so... But I would say technically wine focused for me that happened in the last decade. Okay. And so I've worked at a number of wineries. Yeah. Um, Larger-ish than some and sort of learned the ropes in lots of different aspects. Got it. But it started working yeah. in a restaurant yeah, and being totally. exposed to it. Yep. And, and just like even hosting at lunch when you're 19 and it's like, and then you get free cup of clam chowder and mm -hmm. whatever. And you, you start looking at it and this like, job had all the perks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, why did I ever leave? <laughs> <laughs> well, it closed. Yeah. It, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, not if I was there to sell the clam chowder. You could have. Or you could, eat it. Yep. Gosh, it had, they did some sort of caloric read on the clam chowder and it had like 90 calories in a tablespoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone would tell you that's probably the best clam chowder. Then, right? Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants diet clam chowder. No. No. No, 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 no. no. Um, 
Next in the film, the kids are playing outside, mm-hmm. and they meet Sharon Tate mm-hmm. in probably one of the best scenes where, out of nowhere... <laughs> Do you see that toad there on the lily pad? She shows that she has the power to turn a frog <laughs> into a dove. Yeah. <laughs> and it happens. Uh, yeah. But, but like, leading up to it, she's like, Do you believe in magic? Do you like magic? That's right. She's to Jack, the creepiest kid. Who, yeah. He doesn't even answer her. His sister's like, yeah, yeah, I do. Well, and what about, like, for as much money as they have, like, her haircut. Oh, gosh, is it's like, the worst. Like, she did it, I think. I think she, maybe Jack did it while Jack we're sleeping. Jack did it. <laughs> like, I want it's to serious. see Papa. Like, as far as I know, it's, like, in the 60s, like, that wasn't like now, you know, now yeah. it's like, ooh, a cool razor cut haircut. Right. Um, but like, it, that could not have been on purpose. It, I don't know. It was really distracting. I agree. Like, it shows her, and I'm like, did she have that hair this whole time? <laughs> yeah. Was she even like necessary? I, I don't even remember her until that scene, is the thing. Yeah. Like, I see you see her in a car, but I was like, it's just Jack so creepy that yeah. I'm staring at him the whole time. Uh, then the uh, the mother appears, and the archer, Christian, played by David mm-hmm. Hemmings, that's where I wrote that in, uh, it, it starts raining. Oh, but not not the not the rains of nurture Yes, yeah, not the rains, so it's not going to nurture the vines. <laughs> no. um, Why won't it last, Odile? These are not life-giving clouds, madame. And the mom's under an umbrella, and... I, you probably noticed this. It shows Sharon Tate, and her hair is coiffed, uh-huh. and so is so is uh, uh-huh. the uh, what's his name, um, David Christian. Uh, yeah, Christian. <laughs> uh, and his hair's coiffed, and then it shows him again, and it's all wet because they're uh-huh. standing in the rain. And then it shows him again, and it's coiffed, and it goes <laughs> yeah. back and forth like six times. Yeah. It is so wild. They're different, like wet hairstyles versus you know hairsprayed and teased, and like oh, it's so. And and I swear that Deborah Kerr opens the umbrella before it starts raining yes yeah and and sharon tate says this thing that like i'm like no duh lady because she's like it's not going to rain forever yes <laughs> yes like that and you're like well i could have told you that yeah like i know how rain works yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not gonna rain forever we don't have to live under this umbrella <laughs> yeah that's like something jack would say yeah forever yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be forever, Mother? I, Mom, I want to live under this umbrella forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jack, you can't live everywhere forever. Yeah, you have to choose one. <laughs> and then um, he draws his bow and points it at her, and she just moves on from that fact. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's one thing to be menacing, but to actually point an, <laughs> a oh. weapon at somebody? <laughs> yeah. When your children are present? Yeah. It's, it's so wild. Oh, and it was so, like, he he had it pulled oh, yeah, back, yeah. like, but apparently he's a pro and he wouldn't have no. accidentally no. let them. He probably would have just shot it in the air and killed another dove yeah, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> the one she just turned from a frog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that whole special effect <laughs> was really yes. special, too, because it was, like, so out of proportion. Yeah. It was, like, the frog mm-hmm. was, like... You know, in contrast to, like, the size of the pond and the lily pads and everything, like, that was totally right. And then all of a sudden, it's a dove that's, like, smaller than the frog. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a great special effect how they're just like, and eh, now it's a dove. Yeah. Like, it's just like... It's like someone someone just cut the film. Just a straight cut. Yeah. Um, Then Deborah and Donald Pleasance have a scene together, which is 
probably the most acted scene in the movie. Mm -hmm. well, what does it mean, Father? Has the world reached such a pass that we must ask what it means when a man chooses to pray? Um, they have a nice little back and forth. And then uh, one of my favorite sequences is the kids playing on the castle roof. Oh, sure. I don't know if that's what you call the roof of the castle. A roof? Yeah. I thought they said precipice at some point or something. I don't know. Anyway, they're like hanging their legs over oh, it. And, like, it's and they're like... wild. Well, and the wildest thing is that they're... I mean, I guess that the mom wasn't like, oh, well, after having the arrow pointed at me, I'm going to let you go hang out with like with his yeah. sidekick mm -hmm. up on the roof. Yeah. With broken parts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just go ahead. Yeah, just go up there. You're three. Yeah. Yeah. Totally makes just, sense. Yeah. Oh, and then like, yeah, you're really good at the balance beam. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. So then... Deborah runs upstairs. She gets up to the top of the castle real fast yeah. too. Like, oh, yeah. it's, it's so insane. <laughs> it's probably like, well, if you if if the internal is filmed like the actual castle, it's yeah. like you see that giant spiral staircase yeah. and it's like six stories. Yeah. They would have been waiting up there for like 30 minutes. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, because and she's she... wearing this big coat. She'd be so sweaty just getting up there. She can't run fast, we find out later. Oh yeah, that's yeah. true. Mm -hmm. You know as well as they do that they are not allowed to play up here. Christian and I were playing on the roof at home and here when we were far younger than they are. Because nobody cared enough to stop you. Um, and then they, she is hypnotized by mm -hmm. Sharon Tate mm -hmm. uh, and then almost goes off the edge yeah. herself. And then we get a harsh cut mm -hmm. to... <laughs> David Niven flogging Sharon Tate. <laughs> oh, God. That part was like... <laughs> it does not fit with anything else in the movie, really. No. Not at all. No. And, and it's really strange. And I think that this was the, maybe like... The moment where the director, and and I am completely just projecting this yeah, out sure. here, where the where it was like I'm going to turn Sharon Tate into a sex oh, symbol, right? <clears throat> and so all this while, while she's getting like it's like this riding crop, yes, like she's just getting beaten with yep. it, and she but she keeps on looking back at the camera yeah. and then looking elsewhere and she has this sort of like naughty look on yep. her face like she's totally enjoying it yeah like it was her plan mm -hmm. yeah it's really weird yeah and it also makes david niven's character seem really out of sorts yeah it's really like all of a sudden he seems super <clears throat> passive through the whole movie right. and then this scene you're just like whoa he, he gives off cold energy yeah the whole yeah, thing and then yeah. all of a sudden he's like a sanguine man uh-huh it's very strange <laughs> yeah, it's so weird and it but it's like I, it just adds another layer of mis, mystery weirdness yeah. yep <clears throat> and then the priest says i told you to frighten her not to kill her <laughs> yeah which I'm a little slow on the uptake, was about the part where I was like, oh, the priest is behind all of this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like he wasn't going to kill her. Right. Right? Like with the writing crop. No, no, no. I think he was talking to Sharon Tate in the scene about oh, Deborah. Oh, okay, going okay, okay. Because yeah. he's like, she could have died. Oh, sure. And then it wouldn't have really mattered because David Niven's still going to 
go through with yeah. what he's going to go through with. Um, then we get the best part. This, you know, this is a movie about wine mm-hmm. that has no <laughs> wine involved no. in it whatsoever. But we get a shot of Niven at the at the vineyard mm-hmm. squeezing the grapes mm-hmm. for like two seconds, mm-hmm. and uh, and then you know they're not producing. So it look, doesn't look very good. Um, my question for you is, what could cause uh, wine not to produce in an area where supposedly it's already has has worked for years? Sure. Um, oh myriad things yeah <clears throat> is it all the terror the terror that can be part of it um that should have been the name of this movie <laughs> yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna terror e- excuse us <laughs> <laughs> we would like to suggest yes. an edit <laughs> one more um the um there a, a number of things yeah. so is it all weather or it, it, weather mm. pests of oh, yeah. lots of different kinds. Yeah. So you can have in- insects. There mm-hmm. is famously, and this was a huge thing that happened in the Bordeaux region, the phylloxera, which is the <clears throat> vineyard louse, which destroys vines very slow, well, slowly and methodically. Oh. But that was not what was happening to these vines yeah so if my knowledge of viticulture serves Mm -hmm. it looked more like um sunburn or if like um, something was just sort of eating it Mm. something parasitic yeah something something parasitic parasitic from an external source so birds can be an issue Mm. well that's why they're he's he's like these doves yeah um and this is all taking place supposedly in bordeaux Mm -hmm. so what wine would they be making you think at this winery is it only one type in that region or no there are um less there's less than 10 types but more than five okay so it kind of depends on where you are in the region of bordeaux um merlot is Speaking of sideways, Merlot is grown more, most, Mm -hmm. in most wines from the right bank of um, the Gironde Dordogne River are Merlot, but then there's also Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, a little bit of Carmenere, um, and then some white varieties also. Oh, wow. So. Okay. So probably Merlot or Cabernet. Sauvignon or Funk. Okay. But who knows? Anything could happen. It's true. In this movie, anything (laughs) could happen. Then we have uh, Deb takes off into the forest to see what all the hubbub is about. That's what I... It's word for (laughs) word the note I made. Uh, She enters a strange brick building that looks like a tomb. And when she leaves, it's surrounded surrounded by shrouded figures. Yeah. Right. And I love that one is sort of like peeking around the tree at her. (laughs) And it's... This is like the moment where I felt that the movie really had a chance. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she goes in and she sees this sort of like this druid thing. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely like foreshadowing for yeah. like, oh man, like you went into the woods by yourself. Yeah. Like when you come out, you're not going to be alone anymore. Mm-hmm. And then that whole scene, I really kind of liked the the closing in yeah they're closing in mm-hmm. it's very um unrelenting too mm-hmm. uh but i i do like the 
it's like um, f- something's finally happening. Like mm-hmm. the first up till this point in the film, there's so much of just like, no, nothing's happening, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, but something's gonna yeah. happen. And then this, you're like, something's happening. Something, yeah, something's happening, and it's uh, oh, it's really happening. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel a little bit of something. Yeah, and I was like, is he one of them? Yeah. They do a really good job with these shrouds. Like, you can't see faces or no. anything. It's all. It's very. Not until like the end, and then they're on the daylight, and I swear one of them had an eye patch on. Yes, that's true. <laughs> he was like, I'm not shrouded enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, will, I, will put, I will put an eye patch yes. over the... Uh, the now you'll never <laughs> know who I yeah. am. Um, then she wakes up. She's in a bed, and she's got bandages on her hands. Uh, she has a crazy driving nightmare and flashes of a dead bird, mm. and you see all these characters and weird dream sequence. Um, she asks... I thought, I thought I had voices. You were just regaining consciousness. There was no one here. You knew, didn't you? Niven then tells her that he must die so that the winery can live. Goodbye, my darling. Right, which, you know, is because he is responsible for the, the... He's the, the matriarch or something of like of that. the of everyone's well being in the town, yeah. and so that's where like in actuality and in film mm-hmm. in this world in this world where it's very different. It's like someone's not like it's not like lords and serfs, right? You know, not in like modern day, mm-hmm. and you don't have like. 200 people working in your vineyard. Right. The whole town is employed at this one vineyard. Right. Like, <laughs> you don't have, and you don't have, each person gets their own row. You know, it's right. like, it's it's just really sort of. That's inefficient. Yeah. Is what that is. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's super inefficient. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. So he, you know, he, he's a kind man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very true. Benevolent. Oh, yes. That's yes. a good way to put it. Um, selfless so an arrow through the heart mm-hmm. is what would bring back this uh this wine um what other ways of human sacrifice would fit other varietals do you think <laughs> like if it was chardonnay perhaps you'd be slapped to death by someone named becky while watching reality <laughs> <Yeah>. tv <clears throat> um for two buck chuck i thought maybe buried in a pile of overdraft fees or with like a slow flowers in the attic esque arsenic oh, poisoning. There you go. <laughs> that is how I feel after drinking two yeah. chai. Well, a few years ago, they actually found measurable levels yes. of arsenic. So that was real. That was real. Okay, because I read that article and it was about how, um, like, mechanical um, grape harvesting or mm-hmm. something uh, in the the filter process, like all this stuff from that goes in. So like mice and bugs oh, yeah. and all kinds of things. Um, is that a real thing? Well, so in that level yeah. of winemaking, which is the top or the bottom, depending on how you look at it, yeah. <laughs> top of production, sure. bottom of, um, of care. Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, everything yeah. like they, they just, they send these, they just take whatever they can from wherever they can get it. Right. And then they can, you know, to whatever degree, depending on... I haven't looked at the label of Two Buck Chuck mm-hmm. recently, but I don't think it even tells you, like, where it's from. Right. So it's like, it might just say product of America yeah. or something. And so it could come from, like, um, vines 
that are grown between the directions of a four lane highway. Right. You know? And so, yeah, anything and everything could go into that. Also, not even grapes that you think of Mm -hmm. when you think of like, oh, that says Cabernet. It must be Cabernet, but it could be a measurable percentage something something else. else. Yeah. Ugh, disturbing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, truly anything could go into it. So, Mm. for just a couple dollars more, you can treat yourself way better. Yeah. I think that's a valuable uh, (laughs) way to think about it. Uh, other sacrifices, natural wine, there would just be no sacrifice, I guess. No, no sacrifice. <laughs> we just, we just like, it just happens it naturally. Just, it just happens. And this is, yeah, this yeah. is what it is. What is, cause that's a big thing right now in Portland, sure. especially, um, natural wine bars. Sure. What's the, how does that differ from just a regular wine bar? Um, I, so natural wine is sort of as a broad definition, mm-hmm. um, the lowest possible intervention both in the vineyard and in the winery. Okay. So if you think of, in contrast to Buck Chuck, mm-hmm. you know, they are inoculating the fermentations with bought yeasts mm-hmm. to make sure that everything chugs along at this, you know, and thus they're creating terroirless Got wines. Got it. Natural wine, in contrast, Um, when done successfully is really like the ultimate expression of that idea of terroir. Mm -hmm. So it's like you have this grape, multiple grapes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You You have grapes that, you know, were cared for or, you know, you know, not tended with, um, pesticides mm-hmm. or, you know, are generally from smaller plots that are really intentionally planted. Often, you know, biodynamics come into play and then they're brought into the winery. Um, and then that the native yeasts that both exist on the skins of the grapes and in the air, then inoculate naturally this wow. fermentation. And thus, ideally, in the end, you have something that's really... Unique. Unique and very expressive. Got it. And that's different than like orange wine? Because that's the other thing I've been hearing about a lot. <clears throat> um, or they, there's a Venn diagram okay. that, 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 that can happen mm-hmm. in orange wine and natural wine. So orange wine is really um, like Pinot, Pinot Gris, for example, is the skins are not white, are not white or yellow they're actually gray and so if you allow there to be skin contact in a fermentation um along with some often oxidation you'll end up with a a wine that has some color to it Mm -hmm. that is not from a darker skin variety or black skin variety like pinot noir Okay. So there, you know, and often the orange wine is resultant of a natural wine process because allowing the fr- the skins to be in contact with the must or the fermenting grape juice mm-hmm. um, is that sort of ultimate hands-off style of wine Got making. It. Huh. Well, it's delicious. Yeah, sure. But some of them are really funky, we've found. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's something that in natural wine, you can, because the fermentation takes longer, yeah. you're welcoming certain objective faults to a resulting right. wine. Mm. Which, you know, sometimes it's like, are you trying to sell me the emperor's new clothes? Yeah, yeah. And other times it's really truly compelling and interesting and makes you want to learn more about sort of the passion behind it and the people behind something. Yeah. We were at a bar, which I won't say what it was, sure. but it was a wine bar. And they found out that on the way home, we were stopping at a different one. Mm -hmm. And so they put wine in a shot glass, wrapped it in saran wrap, and had us deliver it to the oh, really? <laughs> the wine person at the other place. Uh -huh. So that they then they we didn't know what they were doing. Uh -huh. So we just gave it to them and said, uh -huh. this is where it's from. They looked at it, held it up to the light, smelled it. Uh -huh. And they were like, oh, they really got me this time. And we were uh -huh. like, what's happening? <laughs> and they do this uh, back and forth, trying to stump uh -huh. each other on what the variety is uh -huh. and all that kind of stuff. And I just thought that's nice that this... Um, probably not okay with certain um officials but you know, <laughs> sure. I, I like that this yeah. camaraderie exists among sure. people you know sure. here in this town um and i think it's important to to play nice yeah exactly in, in business. well and educate each other and sure. like you know if you if you really love something i mean you see this in music stores, like someone that would love something and want someone to discover it. Mm -hmm. And then you'd see someone that loves something and it would just be a jerk because they knew about the thing. Sure. I like the first version. Sure. I I'm, I feel like I'm that way about pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I turn into um, often a paying ambassador of things. Yeah. I'm like... I am, for sure. I'm like, use Marvis toothpaste. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's $11 a tube, it's... but you'll never have the same toothbrushing I, um, experience. I, I love cocoa floss. Uh -huh. When we were in Palm Springs, I got this dental floss. It's very pricey, mm -hmm. and I have a favorite dental floss, which is <laughs> yeah. either part of getting older or a great product. I'm not sure. Like when you go to the dentist, you're like, before we get started, I, know. I need to tell you something. No, seriously, the last time I went, she's like, you're doing a great job flossing. I'm like, thank you. This mouth is brought to you by Coco Floss. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, in this movie, there's so many great shots. Mm -hmm. uh, there's like you know, where you see the foreground, the background, mm -hmm. bolts of light through mm -hmm. the castle. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's really beautiful. Um, but at this part of the film, the archer's in a trance and the ritual is beginning. Mm -hmm. They enter the woods. The archer kills him. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. The boy runs up to a harp. Mm -hmm. Where I was like, oh, yeah. What is it? <laughs> this is a two harp movie? Yeah. This is incredible. When I, when I, I watched this movie twice. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and the first time I watched it, I watched it with a friend. And I think that's about when she was like, well, it's Look getting let's get late. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this movie is not that short. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just like in the beginning, he runs up to the harp, which I was like, there's two harps, which I think is a great name for like a Christian rapper. Yeah, oh, like you have sure. two chains and then you have two harps. Two harps. <laughs> um, the procession of horses goes through town. We get to see all the townspeople again. Oh, which yeah. I think... oh and they, but they are, they've got to be like the actual I think townspeople. So, for sure. It's like, I, I lived in the country in Bordeaux oh, yeah. in high school and it was like, grandpa sure as heck yeah. was wearing a beret. I, they're they're and, great townspeople. Oh yeah, they're great townspeople. Yeah, for sure. Um, then the, uh, pr procession of horses goes through and they all, all the people remove their hats 
And there's a great shot as the procession returns to the castle. It's like this really interesting angle. And then the just the stark contrast of the black horses and the, mm -hmm. you know, the shrouded. It's, it's really great. Um, and then uh, the family. Um, you know, well, what's left? But go get in the car. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, no one's bummed at all. Like, Jack's just, it's so weird. And then Jack says he forgot his watch. So oh, he goes gosh. back to get it. And Donald Pleasance is just standing in this room. With the weird, like, hippie jewelry. The weird hippie jewelry, which we haven't mentioned. By the yeah. way, there's weird hippie jewelry in this yeah. movie. That's not really talked about. Um, and the boy kisses the evil necklace. Oh, yeah. In, like, this really weird little, like, like closed lip peck. It's so weird. It's so weird. He just goes up to it, and it's like... And then he just, like, pe he seriously yeah. pecks yep. it. Yep. Typical Jack move. Yeah. Doing something creepy. <laughs> yeah. God. And Donald Pleasant seems like, yep, that's right. Yep. He kissed the evil necklace. Good job. And then uh, the kid leaves. And um, and I guess there's a tapestry that suggests that this always happens. Like, it's probably just the story could be called The Worst Winery. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Like, and, and it's been happening since the... I think they mentioned into the 15... Yes. When, when like, the, the secret boyfriend... Yes comes over yeah and, he, and they're doing some research oh the research is great <laughs> and they're too. doing some research and it's like the, yeah this has been happening for generations yeah and, and so it's... basically jack has sealed his fate yeah so eventually creepy jack mm -hmm. will will be murdered and i have the devil too mm -hmm. um yeah and then they uh they leave in the rain and we see the uh, the archer lurking in the same place where he was lurking. Oh, yeah. And we see uh, Sharon Tate still sitting out there in the rain. <laughs> and she has extra eye makeup on. Yeah, it's even more. <laughs> and, this, and she, but there's like maybe a bit of sadness in her eyes. I, I you know, I couldn't tell with all the makeup. Yeah. It might be just extra and her, I think her hair is supposed to be wet again. Yes, it is. But it's almost like they put this like cap. Yeah. Of like. It's weird. It, like it, because it's, it's really weird. Yeah. It's very strange. Like this weird wet cap on her of hair. Yeah. And then that's the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any final thoughts for Eye of the Devil? Um, oh, um, I mean, not really. Yeah, there's not really <laughs> anything else. We covered it more than probably anyone has. <laughs> yeah, totally. And when I was watching it, like I'm always, I'm always looking for like, where's 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 the thing where i can like create a weird like thesis statement right. even to like oh, this is what's turn really this happening. into something thoughtful and something where you know it, it right. would be like culturally it would be relevant in like a bigger sure. thing yeah and like it just didn't pan out no <laughs> no and I, I hate when i'm disappointed yeah like it's really like it's it's just a very simple it's it, well, it is very simple, like the original synopsis I read, but there's also all these weird things happening just that are strange choices yeah, and, for telling that story. And yeah. the fact that David Niven is just like in all the way from the beginning, like oh. not for a second, he's like, we got to figure out a way to make these grapes work. Yeah. He's just oh. like, looks like I have to Look, die. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And I mean, even, yeah, it, it, it was really strange also. I mean, going back to the beginning, just like yeah. when, the, when she, creepy jack is like daddy please can yeah. i go with you and he's like totally like zoned out yeah and and she's like your son is trying to talk to you and he's like 
he's already yeah. completely in it. He's like, oh, sorry, I was thinking about my own death. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually Jax. And eventually Jax, yeah. Yeah, it's very strange. It was only okay, this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are there any common misconceptions about being a wine sales rep or sommelier? I'll say oh. either one, as you are both of <clears throat> these things. Sure, so I would say... I can, I would like to speak more to the misconception, the misconceptions of being a wine yeah. sales rep cool. yeah. because people often will be like, I want to do your job. And I'm like, people say that about every job, about every job. <laughs> yeah. I want to do your job. You're like, your okay, job. here your it job is. So like, it's so fun. And I'm like, I'm like, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, from the outside, it does sound very fascinating. And sometimes like when it, when it, is fun it's very very fun yeah and when it's going well it's like it it's like the the rush of it of it going so well but in order to really make a good living and have a certain amount of autonomy Mm -hmm. because it's very Mm self-motivated um there's some sacrifice that has to happen on like the 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 back end you know so it's not just me i don't just get to be like i've got the wine that you want like buy it from you know it's there's a little bit more um strategy and thought and business mind Mm. that goes into it rather than just like the idea of what my mom thinks i do all day right which is just hang out with wine and that we just drink all day long She sounds worried. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, sometimes, honestly, like we'll have meetings on Friday mornings mm-hmm. and we'll, sometimes we'll taste through like 30 plus oh, wines. Yeah. You spit all of them and you take notes on all of them and you can, and like the, the point of doing that is so that we can, you know, not just so that we can taste them and that's cool, but so that we can think about, you know, where they could be positioned mm-hmm. in the market and the long term so i would say that that's the, the the main misconception is that we're just like drinking wine all day and um hanging out when it's actually like there's you juggle more accounts than i would like to say mm-hmm. um you've got so so many every need is individual and so it's not really for an introvert yeah um and you you just have to be willing to say yes a lot. Hmm. So, what is a good day like for you? Um, a good day is when I am just tasting wine with yeah. my friends. <laughs> I mean, honestly, in those days do exist. Those yeah. days do exist when you get because where I work, I have a couple key retail accounts, but the majority of what I do is to restaurants. Mm-hmm. And there are similarities in the good day is when I have appointments lined up all day long. I get to all of them on time. None of my buyers is hungover or late Yeah, and everyone's feeling kind and I get glass pours all over the place. Cool. Cause that's sort of like the golden, you know, yeah. you want a glass pour because it moves a lot faster. Oh, so, okay. but, but generally the people that I work with, I really like them as people. 
Yeah. And so it's like when you line up a day when it's like, oh, today I get to see so and so and so and so and so and so and I have the coolest stuff in my bag. Yeah. That's good. And it's and it's just a constant learning experience to sort of just like the the, the back and forth. And see somebody probably get excited about that wine and mm-hmm. be like, yep, we're going to have that as a glass pour, not just by the bottle. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, yes, this is us doing our job. Yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, in the end, we all want to sell wine. Yeah. And so I try to never waste the time mm-hmm. of the people I work with. And I'm pretty frank about that. Like, yeah. I'll be like, if I bring you something that's totally wrong, just tell me. And yeah, like, yeah. I, it's my job to remember that you don't care for that, so right. you'll never see it again. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and what's a bad day like? Um, the opposite of the what you opposite. just said. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of that. It's truly like, you know, often, but not always, I will like open up sample bottles yeah. at in the warehouse or in our office to make sure that they're not faulted with cork taint, Mm -hmm. for example. Right. But occasionally they will sort of be like my important piece. I'll be like so stoked about something and I will have not had time to open something before. And then you open it up and it's like, damn it, it's corked. And so it just sort of ruins everything because of course that's not my fault, but then I feel responsible because I didn't give myself enough time to like, so, um, running behind and the worst yeah and so and that's sort of yeah when when you're late because that time wasting thing comes into play yeah like i want to always be sitting in front of where i'm supposed to be five minutes beforehand yeah yeah. so that i calm yeah calm knowing what i'm talking about yeah because with you know several thousands wines yeah in the book everything everything's constant so so dynamic um you have you know it's i want to be yeah, be calm and at least act like i know what i'm talking about yeah yeah, yeah. that makes sense so and... yeah when it when that doesn't happen that's that's a bad uh, day yeah um any advice for someone who's interested in wine um like working with wine. Working I mean. with wine. I would Not just someone that's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm interested in wine. Well, how long have you got? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would say, and I actually had this conversation with a couple young ladies yeah. who are just like 21-ish mm-hmm. on Friday evening at a happy hour. Um, you know, some again, like that idea of like sacrifice. So it's like if you're interested in working with a sommelier who you admire, mm-hmm. you know, maybe see how you can get a job at that restaurant, show your enthusiasm, mm-hmm. taste everything. And I, th- you know, go out to, we're so fortunate here yeah. to go out wine tasting and ask questions. Um to maybe find someone who has the job that you want and yeah. see how they got there because the the paths are often rather similar mm-hmm. and um and to i i found that like a combination of experiential and sort of academic mm-hmm tends to work pretty well so you know pouring over maps like when you're not working is like a really fun way tasting um joining a tasting group 
just like talking to people and saying yes to experiences. If someone's mm-hmm. like, hey, you want to do this vertical thing? flight? Yeah. Or if you, you want to like clean out this this fermentation tank in my in my small urban winery, you should say yes. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, you're in conversation with a winemaker and who knows what that could lead to. Right. Oh, that's genius. I like what, what I'm hearing from the outside uh, um, looking in is something I never thought about, and that's that you can work with wine and have the same kind of experience as uh, working with a chef in a kitchen and learning, you know, you're passionate about food, so you go there, that person becomes like a teacher to you, mm-hmm. and um, like some of the chefs I recently talked to, they're like, it's, think of it like a school, mm-hmm. and like they're giving you, you're giving information to this person, eventually this person's going to go off and do mm-hmm. this other thing, you know, they mm-hmm. graduate, sure. you know, to different positions and stuff, so that's fascinating, and I never you, thought about wine that way. Yeah, and you can only hope to be you know, a good representative of, you know, what you do and to be, you know, and to, to share that because Mm -hmm. to be selfish about it is, is pointless. Yeah. Uh, And then you just remember it as that person, you know, Yeah. rather than somebody that like, oh, this person's so passionate about what these people are doing at this winery and they're putting all that hard work into that. And you're like, you know, paying it forward with the gratitude or. Yeah. And sometimes I've, I feel like. I'm, you know, I work with some people who have been doing this for 20 years. Yeah. And so I'll be like, I'll be like, hey, so-and-so, what, what do you, what do you do in this situation? What have you done in your 20 years of experience in this exact role? Yeah. Like, am I panicking for no reason? And they'll be like, yeah, just chill out. And I'll, and easier said than done. Sure. But, um, but you know, there's, there, there's so many levels of, of that and support and yeah. throughout the whole thing. That's awesome. Uh, which brings us to the last question and it's mm. my favorite question. Uh-oh. Uh, what are your dreams like? Um, they, uh, oh, well, I, I had one recently that oh, I actually yeah? discussed with a friend. Okay. So, um, it was like right after Rutger Howard died. Oh yeah, we were talking about That's Blade Runner earlier. Yeah, it was, and there were a lot of on Instagram, a lot of um, behind the scenes at rest yeah. Yeah. photos of him and Sean Young, mm-hmm. and like I've always sort of I in my this one particular dream I was dressed like her as Rachel behind the scenes. Whoa. So she was in this like black skirt, no surprise, and like a white t-shirt. So it's just sort of like chilling. Yeah. And I was like at that one park downtown Portland where they used to serve the meals to homeless people. Oh, yeah. That's now fenced they off. fenced it off. Yeah. yeah. So I was there and I had a an empty keg of Uh-oh. wine and I was looking for liquids to fill up the keg. What? And then I was going to go give the keg so it was a it was in fact like a work anxiety dream where i was you're like somewhat where i was sort of replicanty behind the scenes that's fascinating because it's like movie and work related yeah and it wasn't terribly panicked but it was like i was convincing all these guys to (laughs) sort of create their own blend if you will oh i love that in this in this keg you call it blend runner instead of blade yeah. runner <laughs> yeah 
So, I mean, yeah, that, that, that was the last one that I really remember. So, you know, sort of liquid deficiency. Yeah. Huh. Which could also be a movie from the liquid 50s. deficiency. <laughs> yeah. It could, it really could. Blake Edwards, liquid deficiency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, uh, Dirk. Yeah, thank you for watching I the Devil. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for uh, coming here and talking to us about that and about what you do. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me. This was super fun. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it.